So today, um, we're beginning a new series, if you've seen from the summer program card, all about listening, a skill and a quality which is very often in short supply. Many people in our country today are angry, frustrated, confused, in turmoil, partly because they, we, find it very hard to listen and to empathize with the views of others. We have countless breakdowns in marriages and families because people can't or won't listen properly to the other person. The art of listening and hearing properly is something that we all need to cultivate, not least when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. I say we all need to cultivate that quality more, but that might be particularly true of men. A husband was reading an article about communication when he stopped reading and said to his wife, look, it says here that on average women speak 30,000 words a day, whilst on average men only speak 15,000. Why do you think that is? His wife replied, well, the reason must be because we have to repeat everything to men. Husband then turned to his wife and asked, would you say? (laughs) I'm sure that doesn't ring true for any couple here today, and surely not me. In our gospel reading today, we heard Jesus saying those well-known words, I'm the good shepherd. He then described something of what it means to be the good shepherd. Supremely, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus repeats that three times in this short passage. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And in this service of Holy Communion, we particularly remember the laying down of his life. But Jesus also describes the sort of relationship he has with the sheep. And this is the thing. It is a relationship. And at that heart of that relationship is communion. And integral to communion is communication. Communion and communication. The two go hand in hand. Jesus says the good shepherd knows each of his sheep by name. Jesus knows each of us by name. Jesus, the good shepherd, leads the sheep by his presence and by the sound of his voice. And of the sheep in this passage, three things are said about them. Verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. Verse 4, the sheep know his voice. Verse 16, the sheep listen to his voice. Hear, know listen and a mark of a Christian is that he knows his master's voice she hears his master, her master's voice together they listen to their master's voice ah but you say I'm not much of a sheep or much of a Christian because I hardly ever hear or never hear God speaking to me well I'd want to challenge that By the very fact that you are here this morning, you are almost certainly one who has heard God's voice and you have responded to it. If you have ever said yes to God, if you have ever said sorry to God, if you have ever said I want to serve you Lord, if you have ever said help me Lord, 
then you've heard the Master's voice all right. And I doubt if there is one person here who's not said all of those things on more than one occasion in your lives. So let's not have any nonsense about God doesn't speak to me only to super spiritual Christians. But if I say, have you heard God's voice every time he's got something to say to you? Well, that's a different question. Then almost certainly you'd have to say no. And it would be true for all Christians. In chapter 12 of John, just two chapters on from our gospel, there's an incident in which Jesus is praying aloud to his father and he says, glorify your name. And then a voice is heard, an audible voice saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. There was a crowd standing there. They heard a noise. Some recognized the words, but some said it thundered. They didn't hear truly the words. They didn't recognize it. Even in our own passage, Jesus says, the people listening did not understand what he was telling them about. And so it is, of course, with us. And how do we recognize then, hear and listen to the voice of Jesus in our lives? How do we know when it's God speaking and not some false shepherd or our own wishful or fearful thinking? Well, I'm going to share some not very original thoughts as to how and here to, to recognize the shepherd's voice. But I, as I do so, it, it is the case, as I often is when I preach a sermon, knowing that it should really be a case of physician, heal thyself. So I'm going to tell you what to do, and then I'm going to go and have to do it myself a bit more. Here's some principles. To hear God, we have to want to be with him, and want to hear his voice. I'm sure we've all come across in our relationships when we've not wanted to hear what the other person or people in the relationship are saying. All of us from time to time exercise selective hearing by which we choose not to hear what someone is saying to us. It may be a simple matter of ignoring, can you put the dustbins out? Or can someone lay the table? But it may be more profound than that. Something we don't want to hear. or So we stop the conversation. Or change it. Or have a go at the other person. We may leave the room. Or the place. So we don't actually hear what the other person is saying. Because it might be a bit painful. Too truthful. Um, there's a wonderful story in the book of Jeremiah. It occurs in the reign of King Jehoiakim. I'm sure you're very familiar with him. One of the last kings of Judah, not long before the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. He's living at the time of Jeremiah, who is constantly telling the people things they do not want to hear, would rather not hear. They like their false prophets who give them false words of encouragement. And on one occasion, Jeremiah is in custody. So he dictates a lengthy sermon to his secretary, who's called Baruch. And he tells Baruch to go and read it in the temple precinct. So he stands on a first floor room and speaks it all out. Lots of people gather. The sermon's overheard by a number of the king's officials. And they think it's so important and so serious 
that the king should hear it. So this scroll, and you know the scrolls that they rolled like that, is brought into the palace, and with some trepidation, the scroll is read aloud to the king by a guy called Jehudi, a court official. And then there's this lovely episode of chapters 36 of Jeremiah, which says this. Now, the king was sitting in his winter apartment, and there was a fire burning in the brazier before him. And as Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a penknife and throw them in the brazier until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the brazier. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was alarmed, nor did they tear their garments even when El-Nathan and Deliah and Gemariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. That is someone who does not want to hear the word of the Lord. Sometimes when I've been praying, maybe, I felt that, you know, I'm not sure I want to hear the voice of the Lord because I fear he might ask too much of me. I might not go on to rip pages out of my Bible, but I might then move on to something else or quickly in the prayer time or something like that. In the story of Adam and Eve, you remember, after they'd eaten of the forbidden fruit, the couple heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And when they hear that sound, what do they do? It says, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord because they were afraid. They don't want to hear what the Lord has to say to them now. To be in regular communion with God, to be in regular communication with him, we mostly have to want to hear what he has to say to us. And it stands to reason that if we don't want to hear God, then most of the time, whatever he is saying to us will go unheard. Secondly, It's not enough just to want to hear from God. We have to tune in and tune out. There has to be an activity on our part to turn that wanting into something real. If I want to play the piano better, I have to practice more. If I want to learn Spanish, I have to go to Spanish classes or get an audio program. If I want to get to know someone better, I have to speak to them, to invite them round, to spend time with them. If I want to listen to Radio 4, I have to switch it on. If I want to be in communion with God and to hear more from him, then I have to be active in that process. If we use the analogy of modern communication, we know that all around us now, we're surrounded at this very moment by radio waves and TV waves and worldwide web waves. I have no idea if waves is the right word at all for all of that stuff. I just know it's all whizzing round in a way that I have no idea how it all works. Fortunately, we can't hear all those things or see them or we go mad with a cacophony of noise but if we want to zoom in on one of those message systems or indeed to one person we have to actively tune in we switch on our radio and tune to the station we want to hear 
we check our phone to see if there are any messages from the people we're in touch with. We open up our computer and see if there's an email. We knock on someone's door or give that person a call. It would be foolish of me to say to you, I never got your email if I hadn't opened my email box. Or if I said, I never received your letter if I just let all the envelopes, all the posts lie on the floor or put them behind the clock on the mantelpiece. Those are blindingly obvious things that we do every day of our lives in order to be in touch with this or that system or person, to find out what's going on in the world, to catch up with our TV serial. And it's no different in our relationship with God. The Apostle James says in his book, tune into God and he will tune into you. Well, actually, he doesn't quite say that because the radio and all that hadn't been invented. What he does say was, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Pull up a chair and draw near. Sometimes uh, my wife, Yola, and I have a conversation when we're in different rooms of the house. Do you ever have those conversations? And uh, what you hear is a muffled voice over there saying, Okay. And um, sometimes I might get out of my chair and go in here. You know, sometimes I might not want to. But to actually hear one another, we have actually to go into the same room, to get into the same space. Drawing near to God, tuning into God, is a vital stage in wanting to hear more from him and to be in communion with him. In Mark chapter 3, Mark tells us about the appointment of the twelve disciples. It says this, and he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles to be with him and to be sent out. Notice that firstly they're to be with him in the same space as him before they're sent out. A former Archbishop of Canterbury, not the one who was born in Weston, but who lived not long after him, about a thousand years ago, wrote, wrote this, Come now, insignificant man or woman fly for a moment from your affairs escape for a little while from the tumult of your thoughts put aside now your weighty cares and leave your wearisome toils abandon yourself for a little to God and rest for a little in him enter into the inner chamber of your soul shut out everything save God and what can be of help in your quest for him and having locked the door seek him out that was St Anselm a remarkable man now I know you will know that all too well there are times in our lives when to do this regularly let alone daily is much more difficult if you have young children and a job to go to carving out space and time is not easy. But, most of us here today, those difficulties are long gone. I know some of us have grandparent responsibilities and all the rest of it, and some of us are still in paid employment. Not very many, but um, 
So we have a much more free time. We don't have to leave the house at 7.30 a.m. to get to our place of work, having got the children up and breakfasted them and checked that they've got clean uniform, or at least not too dirty uniform. And we've heard them read and we've signed the reading record and all that. For us, it's not very difficult really, is it, to sit with a cup of tea in one hand and an open Bible in the other. And that Bible is like a long letter, a very long email from God to us all. Tuning into that God-inspired, God-given document is our primary way of hearing God speak to us in both general and personal ways. Actually, we don't need a booming voice or sky writing to hear from God. The psalmist points the way in Psalm 119, which we heard read, or part of it. I remember your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. I've promised to obey your words. I've considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I keep your precepts with all my heart. The law, the words from your mouth are more precious to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver. Your law is my delight and I will meditate on it. And so on and so on for 176 verses. And we as Christians have a Bible which is about eight times bigger than the one that the psalmist had to reflect on. So to hear the voice of the shepherd, we firstly have to really want to hear that voice And secondly, to tune in to that voice. And thirdly, to hear the voice of the shepherd, we have to shut up, to be quiet, to be still. It doesn't mean always on our own. You are being very still and very quiet now. And I hope tuning in. Be still and know that I am God. A verse that we all know, but for many of us, Uh, It's more ignored than practiced. I'm sure I've said this before, but I do think quite a bit about the epitaph that I would like on a little headstone for myself. The front runner for some time was, he was good on paper. But but a joke that is often made about me now is my desire to get on. I do dislike hanging around or about. I like to get on with things. Even on holiday, I like to get on. It's a bit of a family joke when others want to take things a bit easier. So we've been thinking about possible new epitaphs might be. So one might be, no more getting on. (laughs) Or, he loved to get on, not anymore. Or, I think this is my favorite moment, it was getting on that brought him to this place. Our kind of church, our kind of churchmanship, which I mean basically evangelical, is very hot on getting on and being busy and active for the Lord. Just read the notice sheet. That's tiring in itself. We don't actually do quiet contemplation very well. This is about as good as it gets in all saints, isn't it, in terms of quiet contemplation. It is true that Christians are called to be servants and soldiers and athletes and faithful stewards, active, busy roles. But too often we do that, I do that, at the expense of being just busy, too noisy. Because we're also called to just be in his presence, 
to come to him rather than going out into the world to do battle with it and change it. I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation with someone when the TV is blaring in the room at the same time. It's extremely difficult. Or to have a conversation with somebody if they're preparing a meal or vacuuming. It's difficult. Likewise, in our communion with God, if our tuning in consists mostly of us speaking and getting out the shopping list of what's on our minds, what needs to be done, what we'd like sorted, it's going to be difficult to hear an inner voice and an inner prompt. Lamentation says, it's good to sit quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And Psalm 131 in a lovely picture says, I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderfully, wonderful for me. I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. Sitting quietly is not a characteristic of our age, our society, and often of our church. There's a famous football manager, Bob Paisley, um, who had an annoying habit to journalists of talking very quietly. And one day a journalist said to him, why do you speak so quietly? And his answer was, to make you listen carefully. Very, very rarely does God make a loud noise literally or even metaphorically into our ears. No, for the most part, he wants us listening carefully because he speaks in whispers. Learning to be quiet, maybe not even actively trying to hear something from God, but just being still is something that Christians down through the ages have found is part and parcel of being in communion and in communication with the great shepherd of the sheep. There's a lot more that could be said on this subject and hopefully over the next few Sunday mornings some of those things will be said by others. But just to sum up, we're far, far more likely to hear and recognize the voice of the shepherd if we truly want to hear the voice if we actively tune into that voice by creating space and time in our lives and if we don't do all the talking but practice the presence of God in stillness and in quiet.